The end of all things is at hand. Be prudent, therefore, and keep watch in prayer. But before all things, have a constant mutual charity amongst yourselves, for charity covereth a multitude of sins. Words taken from today's epistle, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are joined now with our fellow Catholics in prayer throughout the world as we make our novena to the Holy Ghost. The word novena simply means nine, and every novena finds its origin in the nine days from the ascension of our Lord to the descent of the Holy Ghost upon the apostles. During this novena, the Church in her liturgy sings every evening an O Antiphon, recalling the O Antiphons which she sang in the Novena to Christmas, O Adonai, O Emmanuel, and so on. Now the theme is the same every evening. It does not change the O Antiphon. O Rex Gloriae, O King of glory, Lord of hosts, who today art ascended above all the heavens, leave us not as orphans, but send to us the promise of the Father, the Spirit of truth. Alleluia. This Sunday's Gospel reminds us of the meaning of this promise. When the paraclete comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he shall give testimony of me, and you shall give testimony, because you are with me from the beginning. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yet the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is doing a service to God. When the paraclete comes, our Lord says. The Greek word paraclete is usually translated as comforter or consoler. Is this last age of the world then an age of consolation? Far from it. The Holy Ghost is sent to us because he is to be our comforter in an age of persecution. Anyone who lives as a Christian will have his faith put to the test. Christians in the Middle and Far East have been suffering martyrdom for a long time already. And I think I can safely predict that many of us Catholics on either side of the Atlantic will live to see a new age of martyrs in the West. When our Savior walked this earth and spoke to us of his final coming, he asked very pointedly, When the Son of Man comes, do you think he will find faith upon the earth? Whether 2,000 years ago or today, when we consider the way the earth is headed without the help of supernatural grace, we are inclined to answer in the negative. But we might just as well ask ourselves, do you think he will find charity on earth? Do you think he will find charity reigning even within his own household? The early Christians had the most profane slanders uttered against them by their persecutors. And yet it comes down to us from numerous sources that the pagans marveled at the charity of their Christian contemporaries. 
Many were moved to conversion as they beheld the lives of Christians and exclaimed, See how these Christians love one another. Year after year, we find the world ever more violently hostile to every teaching of the gospel. If I consider the sermons I preached to you on this subject a decade ago, they seem almost trite today. Why even bother to lay out for you what is so plainly obvious? Despite the recent consecration of Russia and the keeping of the first Saturdays by so many faithful Catholics, we cannot dare to expect at this late hour that the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary will come without at least some significant period of persecution. And so as this persecution looms ever larger, I put to each of you a hard question. How do you measure up to the charity shown by our Christian forebears? Christ is truly present among us, at least under the sacramental veils. Do you think he finds true charity in our midst? I do not mean to imply that the first Christians were without fault in this regard. In his latter days, St. John would entreat his people again and again, my children love one another. Why did the apostle repeat those words to his flock, if not because they were in continual need of this reminder? We do find it recorded, however, that those first generations were very careful to correct any failings in charity. For there it would be hard to call the sentence of the world unjust. This is partly what the apostle means today when he says charity covereth a multitude of sins. When Christians fail in other virtues, they can be called careless or weak. When they fail to practice humility and charity, they are hypocrites. No one had a livelier awareness of this fact than our holy patron, St. Francis de Sales, which is why he gave us a spiritual program founded on charity, which, when you consider everything he asks us to do, amounts to nothing less than a daily way of the cross, a total abnegation of self. And yet there is no other way to the kingdom than this way. What do you think troubles the heart of the priest? Hospital calls at 3 a.m., long lines at the confessional, marriage preparation, these things are the joy of the priesthood. I will tell you what troubles his heart. Looking upon his flock and finding all manner of envy, backbiting, slander, insinuation, sneers and snubs. Having to handle every social situation with the greatest diplomacy. Because he doesn't know which family has fallen out with another family. Who can't stand being around that person who finds that family awkward at parties? Children of the same household of faith who make a pastime of complaining about each other. Well, I'm here to worship God, not to socialize, you might object. 
Greeting everyone after Mass is the priest's job, not mine. Well, didn't your God warn you in his first sermon? If you greet your brethren only, what reward shall you have? Do not even the heathens do that? No, we are not here to socialize. We are here to stand watch at Calvary as the priest renews in an unbloody manner the supreme sacrifice that won our salvation. But as we offer the gift of ourselves at the altar, our Lord instructs us in that same Sermon on the Mount to consider whether there be any source of contention between ourselves and one of our brethren. And if so, we must set it right. But surely, you may insist, we can't all be friends. That's a tough one, I grant you. Sometimes we simply have little in common with others. Sometimes their personality or manner is very disagreeable to us. It's perfectly natural to have only a certain few persons whom we call by the name of friend. Yes, that is natural, but it is supernatural to look upon anyone else in the pews and see a person with whom we earnestly hope one day to be sharing a blessed eternity. St. Francis de Sales tells us, have no friends except those with whom you share a love of virtue. Well, what better friendship than one founded on the common virtue of faith? And if we cannot truly be friends with all our fellow Catholics, let us at least have done forever with all rash judgment. For too often, I fear, we look on our fellow sinners in the pew and decide in our hearts, perhaps not in so many words, that person, that family, can't be friends with my family because they are not as good as we are. The 25th chapter of St. Matthew paints for us a very clear picture of our final judgment. We know that we shall be judged on our love, on our works of mercy. Do we really suppose our judge will overlook how we treated our fellow members of the household of faith? Doing good to those whom we like is not going to make the grade. St. Peter told us a few Sundays ago, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. And St. Paul points out to us just how marvelous this is. Scarcely ever, he says, can we find a man who would be willing to die, even for the greatest benefactor or closest friend. Far rarer, he says, is the man willing to lay down his life for another simply because that person is good. Christ did far greater. It was not for some benefactor or friend or just man that he died, but for his own debtors, his enemies, ungrateful sinners who reviled him or treated him with indifference. This is the example we are called to follow. Many of you are following this example. 
Many of you give great examples of charity and are an inspiration to others, including to your preacher. Surely you do not object that I am challenging you and myself to do better. Do you desire heaven for everyone within these walls? What are you doing for them? In the name of charity, perhaps you can be offering some of them your friendship? Do you even dare to suppose that you might have something to learn from them? That Christ himself may be waiting for you within those persons? Make your examination of conscience. If you have despised or resented your neighbor, do so no more. If you feel that you yourself have been wronged in this way, do not draw any smug satisfaction from the fact that your uncharitable neighbor has finally been taken to task from the pulpit. Be patient. Do not return evil for evil. Ask yourself in all humility, have I made it difficult for others to be friends with me? Have I been too standoffish, or on the contrary, too boisterous and full of myself, or crass, or immodest? Who in this church is not struggling to be faithful to our Master in the midst of this unbelieving world? The world hates us because it hated Him first. But let the world at least find us loving one another. Come, Holy Ghost, O Paraclete, promise of the Father, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Amen.